participate and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Let's just sing, I need thee, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Our graduates come, they, they, you think you've reached graduation, I can do it. But we find out we need them more and more as we go along. Let's invite them tonight as we just invite our brother Brent to come. I need thee, Your desire. It's the more you get of them, the more you want of them. Amen. Amen. You can have your, your seats. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> well, I have to say, I count it a real privilege to be here tonight with you all. God richly bless each and every one of you. <clears throat> I mean, it's. Uh, I know some of you, and some of you know me, but uh, to the ones I don't know. And the ones that may not know you, but I know your father real well. <laughs> we happen to get along really well. <laughs> and in fact, we have the same father, amen? So I guess that makes us brothers and sisters by the grace of God, amen? And we're so thankful to be part of the kingdom of God. You know, it's what he, he's the one that's brought us all together, you know? You look out in the world and you see all the chaos and everything, you're so thankful that we got a, a heavenly father and we got a heavenly body as brothers and sisters in Christ, Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I'll just try to put this away a little bit, brother. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, sir, I guess I was a bit surprised, but also quite, uh, quite humbled. About three and a half months ago, Brother Harold's the one that invited me here, and he asked uh, if I could say something that would encourage the young people. And uh, I felt that quite a privilege because I've come through a few things in my life, and uh, I can certainly relate to uh, perhaps some of you, if not all of you, and that have grown up in the message. And... Uh, so we just want to be here tonight just to glorify the Lord and may say, just to say something that would encourage your hearts. Amen. So I just want to read a scripture here. <clears throat> you know, to, most of you don't have your Bibles here, but I'd just like to read a scripture just to start it all off. And it's uh, found in 2 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> 2 Peter actually chapter 1 verse 12. It reads like this. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Established in the present truth. Let's bow our hearts and our heads. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, Father, we're so thankful today, Lord, for this assembly we can have. But Lord, we're so thankful that there's something in our hearts, Lord, that makes us gather. 
Blessed be that tie that binds our hearts in Christian love today. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity. We're thankful, Lord, for these, these graduates here tonight, Lord. And Father, the many decisions they have to make in their life. Father, we just pray you'd be on the forefront of their hearts and their minds at all times. And Lord, may you guide all their decisions. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit have complete control in their lives. And Father, we just pray you'd bless this little thought that we have tonight here, Lord. May you be glorified tonight in all that we say and do. We ask this humbly in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Is this okay? It's like a little bit of a squeak here, but yeah. Okay. I can usually speak pretty loud. <laughs> I, uh, not necessarily if we... Uh, yeah, all right, sure. <clears throat> As I say, sometimes I don't need a mic. I speak pretty loud, so it's, uh, <laughs> well, we'll use this anyway. So. so God bless you. God bless you. So I just want to share a bit of a thought with you here this evening, with the young graduates, and I won't, be, I won't be too long, maybe 20, 30 minutes. I know it's almost impossible for a preacher to be 20 or 30 minutes, but you're going to see a... Uh, <laughs> You're going to see the impossible possibly being done tonight, so you might have to record it. <laughs> but I was just looking at thinking of you boys there between the five of you. You know, some of you may be in different positions in your life already in the natural. You know, some are maybe going to post-secondary education to find their career. Others may be working right now. Others may not have to work because they have a really big bank account already. Probably not any of you, right? <laughs> Highly doubt that, right? But the thing about it is, is, you know, your career may be laid out for you already. You may have a family business. You might be pursuing things or whatever it may be. But you know what? The thing is, many times us adults can attest, maybe sometimes you have to try a few things before you find your way. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, you're young, and I remember just... Just seemed like yesterday. I know you think I'm probably really old because I got gray hairs and those kinds of things, but I'm only 44 years old. I think I'm pretty young yet. Sorry, but I mean, I mean, some people probably think like a 44 and think like, man, he's pretty young actually. I remember when I was 44. And other people think like, man, he's an old geezer already. 44. I remember my dad was turning 36 and thinking like, are you kidding? Dad's 36. I always get old. No, but you know what though? Those days are right around the corner for you. <laughs> Time goes on. You'll be getting the gray hairs, and you'll be, you'll be in the same position as us raising a family by God's grace. Amen? But, you know, the thing about it is, is your goal is to find what you really enjoy. So you can make your career there, obviously. So all of you in the natural are going to strive to find that. So, and when you find that, in the world's eyes, that'll actually create an identity for you in the world's eyes. Some of you can identify as maybe an electrician. Some of you can maybe identify as an engineer. Some of you might identify in the health industry. And that's good. That happens to all of us. We have to identify with those certain things, and we will. And no doubt some of you have maybe perhaps already prepared for the future. Going to university, you need certain grades in mechanics and practicing on dad's car perhaps there. <laughs> certain things. But I want to talk about the natural so you can identify the things in the spiritual. Just as you identified of things in the natural, what we're talking about, you see, God also wants to create an identity for you as well. So when you look at the world, they're creating an identity by, by placing you. You used to work at a certain job, you have a certain career, and the world's going to identify you that in the natural as whatever with the things that we talked about. But God also has an identity for you too. So, 
he wants to create an identity for you. So as you face the world, and maybe mom and dad have been preparing you for this and praying with you and teaching you and instructing you, bringing you to church, introducing you to the message, playing the tapes, all those things. And I'd like to just say this. If you have those kinds of parents, you ought to give them the highest respect that you can. You know why? Because they deserve it. I mean putting a plug in for my kids, you know. <laughs> but we got kids too. But you know what, though? Just before I go, it's not my notes, but I'd like to say this. Do you know what God found in Abraham? You know why God chose Abraham? Think of a man. His dad was making idols. And you wonder, why in the world would God pick a man that his dad made idols and Abraham's hands made idols? Why would God choose Abraham? Let this be a lesson to you young men. Brother Bram says that God chose Abraham because he saw that the truth he gave to Abraham, he would pass it down the generations. That was so important to God that he actually chose Abraham for that reason. Because this is so important to me, I know Abraham's going to tell his children, he's going to tell his children's children, and his children's children's children, many generations. That's why he chose Abraham. That's how important it is. So when you see your parents that have done that, you think, wow, they're of the same lineage as Abraham. (laughs) Because they have that same trait. And that's what they want you to see you do with your kids. If time would go on and you would raise a family, teach them about the message. Look at Joshua. It was so important even to Joshua. Why did they set those stones in there? God said, put those stones right on the river Jordan. And he said, when your generations shall ask you, what meaneth meaneth these by these stones? You can point back when God opened up the seas. It was so important to God, he wanted to make a memorial there. And God never wants you to forget this message. Never. Let's keep going. So as we kind of roll along here, up till now, God has been preparing you for this time. So you search out, and by revelation, you're going to find your identity in Christ. So we know the first way is, of course, in order to get into the kingdom of God, there's really only one way. You have to be born into the kingdom. Now, up till then, you really aren't even identified as a Christian. See, so God wants to start very at the very beginning and identify you in his kingdom by being born again. There's only one way. So, and then, and only then, can you really identify as a true believer. Now, you can say not just words about it. You can say, I'm a Christian. I believe the message. And we see a lot of that today. People identify with things. But that doesn't make them that, though. <laughs> just because they identify as this, well, if you brought your car to a mechanic and says, well, I'm a mechanic. Oh, you're okay. Well, uh, can you f- uh, fix these brakes here? Oh, sure, yeah, I can do it. And you come back later and say, well, <laughs> brakes weren't fixed. Yeah, but I'm a mechanic, though. Say, well, sure ain't a good one. <laughs> you can identify it all you want, right? And even the natural people, how crazy it's getting out there. They'll identify as being a cat or you know, men identifying as females and so forth. And you wonder, okay, I understand you're identifying as that. But that don't make you that, though. <laughs> so you don't, you can identify all you want. I'm sorry, but I see a little bit past that. 
You can identify that all you want. See, it's the same way in the spiritual. You can identify all you want and say, I am a member of the end time message tabernacle. I go to this church. I'm a Christian. Bless God. So-and-so is my, is my pastor. So-and-so are my parents. And I believe the message. <laughs> but you might not be there yet. <laughs> you see, when that identity becomes you and God actually identifies you into the kingdom with the birth of the Holy Ghost. So until then, and when you know you have the Holy Ghost is when your desires change, your actions change, the way you look at life, what your purpose is, what your goals are, what your habits are going to be, totally changes. Totally. Why? It's because you become a new creature in Christ. So as we go along, So we find out that God is wanting to create an identity by filling us and then putting us into service for his kingdom. Now, people in this world are so happy to identify with certain things, aren't they? <laughs> and, you, and you think about it, some of the things they really identify, they're a real fan of. And when they're really a fan of something, they really don't have a problem putting their heart into it, do they? <laughs> a pretty good example is, you know, look at the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, I'll tell you. That goal the other night. Yeah. Oh, man. I look in the stands and you, you, you see a picture once in a while of people with blue and orange hair and spiked and all paint everywhere. You think, and they're just roaring in the stands. Think like he is identified with the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> he is a fan. He's a fiend, you might say. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I want to be a Jesus fiend. Amen. Amen. I want to be identified as that and I want to show that I'm a fan of his. <laughs> and people will know you're a fan. <laughs> They'll know you're a little bit maybe fanatical about Jesus. You see, God wants you to identify with all of his word in your life. You see, people identify, you know, with sports teams we're talking, education, degrees, politics. Who ain't that a hot button? <laughs> Who are you going to vote for? Who do? What's this? What's this? And politics are so entrenched in our everyday lives. And people are so identified with that. Brother, sister, we're not identified with these things in the world. We're not. Oh, we do certain things. We go places and all those kinds of things. But that's not our true identity. You know why? Because we're actually really not even from here. <laughs> so we're not identifying with that. Amen? I want you to really listen up, you young people. That's not your true identity. Let me sum it up, for, sum it up all in one little phrase before we go forward. I want you to really think of this. I want you to ponder this in your pillow tonight. Your identity is tied to what you give your heart to. That's what your identity is tied to. What means the most to you in your life? I heard some good testimonies tonight. Of being saved. What's the most important thing? Being saved. And those things and their minds on that thing. And, 
and I, and I, I believe those are more than just words. If that's the most important thing to you, you're on the right road. You're on the right road. Remember, that's what your identity is tied to, is what you truly give your heart to in this day. Jesus said in Mark 8, 38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous generation, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. Christianity comes with boldness. <laughs> to stand in a day of such wickedness. Oh, wise as a serpent? Yes, harmless as a dove, for sure. But when you know what you believed, you're not ashamed of it. <laughs> There's another thing your identity is tied to. You're not ashamed to say what you believe and you're not ashamed to say there's going to be a rapture. You're not ashamed to say you believe the Bible. You're not ashamed to say there is a message in our day. You're not ashamed to say, I go to church, I believe the Lord, and I'm standing on that. You're not ashamed of that. And never will be. Because why? Because that's the most important thing to you. You think an Edmonton Oilers fan with all his garb on would say, <coughs> no, I'm not an Edmonton Oilers fan. Well, you sure look like it. Well, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not really, though. I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, your actions betray you. <laughs> when you're a fan, it'll show. Right. Amen? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Another thing that comes with... Sorry, I'm moving around so much, but I'm, not a, I'm kind of a mover. This isn't really big enough, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to try to stay put here. This is really hard for me, though. <laughs> uh, another thing that comes with a life of service to Christ... It's having the right kind of ambition. So you can enjoy life. You can enjoy all those wholesome activities and all the things, gathering with other young people. And, you know, be young, have fun, for sure. Absolutely. Then take that same ambition and give it to Christ. That same ambition. And I see such enthusiasm. And I, I was, yes, I was young once. And I, you have all the enthusiasm and all the ambition and all the things... You want to achieve a lot of things. You want to be successful. You want to do a lot of things. But take that same ambition and give it to Christ as well. Amen? Look at Brother Bram says. We should have the highest ambition. He said, I think the church of God should be the highest thinker. I think that the highest ambitions that there is in the world ought to dwell with Christians to press the mark to the high crawling of Christ. Certainly. Amen? We ought to be the highest thinker. Highest. If we're not going to be, who is? Because who has the truth? Who knows the truth? And who's living the truth? We see through all this world. So we ought to have the highest ambitions. Amen? My, my. So you may ask as a young person. I asked it. Brother Ed asked it. Many of you others have asked it that are older. Where do I fit in the plan of God? Where do I fit? What am I supposed to do, Lord? You know, when am I supposed to get married? Who am I supposed to marry? And where am I supposed to get married? Am I supposed to move? Am I supposed to do this? Or am I supposed to end this church? And what, Lord, what, what is your plan for me? Am I supposed to preach? Am I supposed to songly be a deacon? Whatever, whatever service, Lord. What is your plan for me? But when you find your purpose and identity in Christ... 
Let me just tell you this. It's very, very satisfying. Yet Satan's not going to sit still. Now, this is a very wonderful time in your life. You have the whole, your whole life ahead of you. Lots of thoughts and lots of decisions and lots of... You're young. <laughs> you don't have the aches and pains yet. You just give yourself a few years yet. <laughs> oh, man, why is my ankle hurting in the morning? <laughs> wow, Ow. Mm, got some aches and pains and... Oh, I'm just not my young body anymore. <laughs> but you know what? God wants you to identify with Him so He can show you your identity in Him. So you identify with Him, and then He shows you your, identify, your identity in Him. But you have to identify with Him first. But here's the thing. Here's the potential danger with every believer. More than ever before in the history of man, I'm kind of changing gears a little bit. Here's another thought I want to express. There's a real threat in this world of a thing called identity theft. <laughs> identity theft. I had a situation happen to me a few years ago. And it all started one wonderful evening when I was sitting on my bed. And my wife was there too, or she was in the bathroom, whatever, and I received an email notifying me that I just e-transferred $5,000 to another account. And I'm thinking like, Cheryl, you didn't spend that much money, did you? <laughs> of course you're going to ask your wife, aren't you? <laughs> 5000 bucks. So I, I told her, I said, hey, did you just e-transfer $5,000? No. You didn't? Oh, what's going on? So I quickly phoned the bank and I said, hey, I, I just wanted to know, I didn't e-transfer $5,000. Where's that going to? I said, it's going to so-and-so's account. or so -and -so. I said, whoa, I never authorized that. She said, you didn't? I said, no. All right, I'm going to cancel the account and cancel your card and send you another card. Okay, so I did that. Within 30 minutes, put the money. She says, put your money back in your account and cancel your card right now. I'll cancel it right now. Tell me when it's done. I said, okay, put it back in, cancel it, done. Someone tried to steal money on my account. Oh, wow, it's kind of a scary little deal there, sharing $5,000. That's out of my line of credit, by the way. <laughs> don't have 5000 bucks kicking around, right? <laughs> so I thought, wow, someone really just tried to pretend they're me and steal a bunch of money and transfer their account. It's like, wow, it doesn't make you feel good. <sighs> That's quite an experience, Brother Brent. <laughs> it ain't over yet. I got an email. Someone received an email showing my password. That gets a little bit freaky. I said, your email is this and your password is this. I looked and said, yeah, that's one of my passwords. What in the world is going on? Kind of got spooked a little bit. That'd probably spook you a little bit, eh? <laughs> I thought, I know it's one. Is that the one I use now? I'm not sure. You see, but that person was trying to steal my identity and blackmail me, and all of a sudden they said, you know what, this is your password, and, you, and except, unless you transfer $800 over to this account right away, we're going to expose you. Expose me? For what? <laughs> all these websites you've been going on. You see, there's where integrity kicked in. <laughs> see, if I had been on there, that's where they prey on. 
and your thoughts come back. Just remember, friends, your past will always catch up with you. Now, I realized, you know what? I never did go on anything like that. And I know for an absolute fact that I did not. So I just erased the email and forgot about it. Nothing came of it. Why? Because he had nothing on me. <laughs> you see, that's where Satan's going to come to you. He's going to come to you in your past and say, but you did this, but you did this, but you did this. When God says, what did they do? You see, that's the power of the blood. <laughs> you never did in the first place. You remember it. They might remember it. It might be on some books. But you know what? God says you've never done it. <laughs> so he said, wow, that's pretty, two pretty terrifying experiences. But it's still not over. All of a sudden, I realized on my account, and I right away went to my wife again. And I said, man, my credit card's high. Man, you watch out, sisters. Don't ever get the credit card too high. <laughs> I looked and said, man, that credit card's high. He's like, what's going on? I looked at my account and like, what in the world are all these charges? So from the credit card company, and they said, well, Mr. Gransky, uh, um, were you in Ontario at such and such and buy, bought such and such for $600? I said, no. Were you over in Singapore at a sauna and spent $3,500? No, absolutely not. Someone just tried to steal my identity again. And that isn't fun. But I got it back, and I said, okay, no problem. We'll cancel the card and all these charges, dispute them. And if they don't come back to it, we'll give credit your account back. I said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> that was about six or $7,000. But a thought struck me, though. It really struck me. You see, that's the way Satan is. Now, he doesn't necessarily try to pretend that he's you, but what he tries to do is make you forget who you really are. He tries to steal your identity in this day. Because as you, God's trying to establish an identity in him and give you a purpose in his kingdom and a purpose for serving him because he has, you know what, he's got your life all planned out for you. And he made you in a certain personality, in a certain way, to live in a certain city, to go to a certain church. Because you know what? Your testimony, your personality is going to affect somebody else in the church. Do you ever think about that? That's why you got to just be yourself. Don't be a put on. Just be exactly the way God made you. Always wanting to grow higher in Christ. Absolutely. But remember, he gave you a personality and he placed you in a certain place because you are going to be a help to somebody down the road. Always remember that. Never look down and say, oh, I wish I was so like so-and-so. And Man, I wish I was like that. And I understand that. We, we look at godly traits and we want to be like some people. I understand that. But just be who you are. Just be who you are. People appreciate it more too. So, now, as we go forward, you see, Satan doesn't want to see you surrender your life to Christ. He doesn't want to see you filled with the Holy Ghost. He does not want you to receive revelation. So he's trained all the guns of hell on you for a main purpose. And the main purpose is for you to not recognize who you truly are. What you are. Where you come from. And what 
your purpose is. If he can stop you from seeing that, he's got you. You see, we can be really idle in this day. <laughs> we got a lot of things that make us idle. <laughs> oh, I'm just doing this, though. I'm just doing this. But many times we're idle. Too idle. God help us. Because we got a lot of distractions out there. And there's going to be plenty of things, young man, that are going to take you and try to distract you away from what's the most important thing in life. So you think of it. The sole purpose of stealing someone's identity has nothing but evil intentions to it. Right? So with my bank account, there had to be some compromise somewhere. Somewhere, in order for them to access the system, some kind of a backdoor, you might say, to achieve their evil purpose. And it was exploited. Now I want you to think spiritual here. Don't give Satan anything to work in your life. Because he'll take those little wedges that he can wedge in that door and he'll keep working on it and you're working on it and working on it and he's going to keep working on those weak spots in your life. If there's anything that would have taken down many good young men and women are those weak spots in their life. Keep them guarded. Now, how does it all start? We got a saying in our home. And I'm sure you've probably heard it before, but it, it's, it's always been outstanding to me, actually. It's hung up in our home when it says this. Because all these things start somewhere. You want to say, okay, yeah, well, how does a person get to this? How does a person get to this? How does this person that I thought was a Christian get way over here? You see, there's many young men in your position right now that aren't serving the Lord anymore. I'll tell you where it started from. By a little saying. It says, watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. And your character becomes your destiny. So how did it all start? Right up here. Guard those thoughts. There's where the greatest battleground, Brother Ram says, fought right there in the mind. Like 2 Corinthians, Paul says, take every thought captive. What does it do? What does captive mean? To actually capture it. When Satan says, you got to do this, I'm going to put this thought in your mind. Say, no, I'm going to, according to the word of God, I'm going to take that captive because of the power and the authority that I have as a believer in Christ, and I'm going to wipe it away because I've got power over that thought. And there's where your victory comes. Many times. And, you, and God will allow Satan to challenge you on that. <laughs> Maybe somebody doesn't shake your hand in church. Maybe it starts as little as that. Or maybe someone shuns you. Or maybe somebody at work. All these little things. What are they? You think like, well, wh wh why do these things got to happen to me? All just little tests. Little tests. Because God has to. Think of this. God has to get you in the right condition for the rapture. Amen. <laughs> he has to. That's his job. That's the Holy Spirit's job tonight. 
is to get you in condition for the rapture. So he has to start with some things. We must never forget our identity, who you are, what you're here for, sons and daughters of God. One final thought, and I might do the impossible. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What is value? What is value in life? Value is determined, is determined by the person wanting to purchase something. If you see the value in something and you can afford it, you'll probably buy it. Wesley, I'm going to ask you a question. All right. Sorry, Satan, we're continuing. (laughs) This is a fork. Okay. Now I'll ask you a question. Do you have... $20, are you worth at least $20? you have $20 in your bank account, in your pocket, anywhere? Yeah, $20? Okay. Can I sell you this fork for $20? Would you buy it? Why not? Hold on. Do you have $20? Actually, okay. And is this a fork? Well, why don't you? You know it's a fork, for sure. So it's a fork and you have $20. Well, why don't you buy it? Okay. But is it worth $20? Oh, I mean, you don't value this as, as, as $20? No, you don't, do you? Because that's a decision that you made. You see, friends, in this world, there's many people that don't value the blood of Jesus Christ any more than that fork. But you know what, though? It's worth everything. It is priceless. You cannot Put a price on that. The world will look at you and many of you, maybe perhaps all of you, will put very little value in you. Very little. But don't look at that. Look at the value that's in your heart. And the reason why you're a believer, if you've accepted the Lord and you've been born again, That's because you valued the blood of Jesus Christ better and higher than anything else the world's got to offer. That's why. And you said, because I value that so highly, I'm going to give my all to it. Because it's the pearl of great price. And it's worth every trial. It's worth every sickness. It's worth every heartache, it's worth every sorrow that you have to go in this life because it is invaluable, friends. It's priceless. You'll never realize that fully until we get over there. And you'll say, what value? What a dividend that paid. Wow. What I strove for, it's all here, but you know what? God's so good. I have such a good investment. Now, you can make investments, they may double and triple and quadruple, but I like the companies that pay you a dividend too. <laughs> See, God even gives you dividends down here. He'll give you a nice family. He'll give you, he'll give you health. He'll give you a good church. He'll give you friends. He'll give you family. 
He'll give you that peace inside of your heart. He'll give you so much besides eternal life. You ever wonder why Brother Bram said that? Even if after this life there's no eternal life, I'd still serve him. Because it's still worth it. It's worth every bit that you can give to him. Every prayer that you pray, every song that you sing, every hand you raise in church, everything. It's worth everything. Everything. That's the only thing in this world that's got value. Is that right there. Don't fail to miss that. Make sure you put your value in the right place. The rich young ruler, when he was confronted with it, he put his value of his money over what Jesus Christ himself could have given. Think of that. Don't be like that rich young ruler. Be like Moses. <laughs> I'm willing to suffer, Lord. I'll enjoy a lot of benefits there, but you know what? Even if some little of my friends make fun of me and make, maybe they're ashamed of me, whatever. You know, I came from the world actually too. I didn't have the easiest upbringing. My dad was a believer. My mom and dad separated when I was a young kid. I didn't have an easy life. Am I pouting about it? Am I blaming? No, no. Because many decisions I made were my fault. I see people, even relatives, they blame. So-and-so's fault, so-and-so's fault, so-and-so's fault. That's why I'm in the condition I am in today. Because so-and-so. I'm a victim, and that victim mentality is so prevalent nowadays. People don't want to own up. But you know what? I can't help what happened, but I can help the decisions that I make from here on in. I can help the value I put in the cross. <laughs> I'm not playing the blame game. I'm done with that. <laughs> but the world's going to try to press you into that. And it's full of that. Usually, what are the three ways? I'm a victim, I'm offended, and I know my rights. <laughs> All three things. If you hold them up, yeah, you'll just get your way in almost anything. Huh. That's the society we live in. Don't fall in those traps. You are what you are by the decisions that you make today. Five years from now, you'll be what you are based on decisions five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I look back on my life. 22 years ago when I gave my heart to the Lord, I came from the world. I came basically from the street. Living in Saskatoon. Nothing Nothing to hold on to. Absolutely nothing. But I made a decision. That decision has given me such dividends and such an investment. Nothing in this world could touch it. Absolutely nothing. I'm here as a witness to tell you, take that investment and value that walk with the Lord higher than anything in your life. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> I want to see you there. I know you want to see me there. And we'll see each other there. That's why God gave us each other. It's priceless what you have. Think of this. I'm going to close with this. Right away. This is a quote from Brother Branham. He said, if I wrote you a letter, you'd perhaps appreciate that letter. And if you wrote me one, I'm sure I would appreciate it. But my letter would just be to you. Therefore, after you read it once... You know all the meaning, and the letter would be insufficient anymore, which is true, right? 
anybody else or anybody else. It was just designated to you or yours to me. But it's not so with God's eternal word. It's inspired. Therefore, it's to all peoples in all ages to meet all conditions. You say, you know, Brother Brent, it's getting pretty bad in this life, but you know what? We've been restored back, and I can just say this. It's actually getting really good (laughs) because it's only getting better from here on in. My future's laid out for me. I have my better half waiting for me. (laughs) But think of this. That's what makes it keep repeating itself. A history swings around. It swings with the history. And it never loses its value. Because it is the eternal word of the eternal God. It cannot lose its value. It only appreciates and never depreciates. So think of this, friends. The same gospel we're teaching you and preaching to you tonight, the same gospel you hear on tape, the same gospel you read in the Bible is just as powerful to you young men as it was to your parents, as to your grandparents, as to your great-grandparents. It never loses its value. I love that. I love that. It only appreciates. And you know what? You'll only appreciate it more as you serve him and as you see the ones that left, as the ones in the world that their life continually goes down, 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 and you go up, 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 up. Yeah, when I first got saved, I got my friends made fun of me all the time. What in the world are you doing, Brent? But you know what? That first time you confront him, and you stand for the Lord. God just heaps you full. So next time you take a stand, it's a thousand times easier next time. A thousand. I will promise you that. You take that stand one time for Christ. God says, all right. They took a stand for me. All right. I'm going to fill them. I'm going to strengthen them. Because I'm El Shaddai. I'm, I, I will strengthen them with my strength. So next time, they'll be stronger. And you know what? It gets way easier too. Take that stand. To you graduates, I have a little piece of paper here. Probably don't know what it is, eh? (laughs) Something written on it. I'm going to ask one of you graduates if you're curious enough to take that. Oh, he's curious. Okay, I want you to open that. <coughs> None of you have a clue what that was, do you? But he's curious, so he's looking into it right now. And he's going to show you very quickly. He's got a smile, I wonder why. There's something written on it. Keep going. I didn't tape up that much, right? <laughs> What is that? Oh, it says, oh, it's 50 written on it. Oh. So there's actually some value there, isn't there? So do you see the value? Do you realize right now that you're holding that? You have actually some purchasing power? Yeah. Right away now, you might even be thinking, hey, that's a half a tank of fuel. That's maybe a, maybe that girl I like, I can afford to take her out now tonight, tomorrow night. I can buy that part. So you were curious enough to open it up. And as soon as you opened up, 
you realize there is some purchasing power there. That's the way the blood of Jesus Christ is. If you can look into it by as a revelation and open it up, you'll realize it has some purchasing power. Don't look at all the little things of this life that people don't put any value in. They may not see what's in your heart, but you know the purchasing power of the blood of Jesus Christ and what it's done to your life. The world won't see that. They'll never see that. But you see it. And you're probably thinking, you boys think that's so unfair. I wish, I wish I would have checked into it. I wish I'd have been that curious. Well, you know what? I'm just going to give you your own little piece of paper. Cause just because cu- you weren't curious, but now you're curious and now you know where's the other graduates? Which are the other ones? There and there, right there. There you go, Joel. <laughs> Happy graduation. (laughs) Now you're all thinking, I I know, I know. I think 50 bucks now. What am I going to do with that? That's a little present, Brother Brent. Say, God bless you. And as that little token, that little piece of paper. Oh, it don't look like much. Everybody around you look and say, if they didn't know what that was, say, just a piece of paper. Might step on the ground. Might not even pick it up but you're curious enough to open it and see the purchase power. That's power heads. Heavenly Father, or just a little thought, but Lord, we realize only truly when we receive the Holy Ghost in our life can we realize the value of what you did at Calvary. Lord, you were beaten and spit upon and smacked upon. And all those things, Lord, and the world puts such little value into you. But yet to the believer, to all those ones that were on your mind there on Calvary and the cross, they saw what the purchasing power did took a miserable, wretched sinner like all of us and it purchased us. Purchased us to be sons and daughters of God. And through that purchasing power, now we have an inheritance. Oh, what a precious promise. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for these young men that through their testimony, Lord, decide to serve you. Lord, may you encourage them in their lives. Lord, may they see the true value of Christ and and search and put that in the number one in their lives. May they make you number one in their lives at all times. May they press towards the kingdom of God and take you first, the Bible says, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Bless them now in their journey, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the lives that they live. Lord, we're thankful for the parents, Lord, that raised them to live their lives for this gospel. Lord, I pray you bless them, Lord. I know you have, Lord, but Father, may you continue to, and may you continue to bless us all here tonight. Lord, we just want to tell you, we can never tell you enough that we love you, and we appreciate what you did at Calvary. Thank you now.
In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you, saints. We sure love you. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, sharing a thought with you on Sunday. Amen. Brother Ed. Amen. Was that an encouragement? Amen. Those are some memorable examples, and they're real because they're expressed from somebody who's gone through it, somebody who has lived it out. And uh, a lot of you may have said, I hope I'm graduating next year. I hope you invite Brother Brent back because I want 50 bucks too. <laughs> you know that you can take that $50 bill. Brother Branham would, would give an example, and he'd say, talked about a little stamp that a child had one time. And he said that little stamp that was so pretty, he thought, I'll take it down to the local store. And he didn't realize its full worth, but he knew it was worth something. And he sold it for a dollar or whatever it was. Well, the shopkeeper sold that stamp two weeks later for $1,000, who sold it to a collector, and, and Brother Man would tell the value, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but sometimes what may seem little and you can recognize, you don't know the fullness of it right at this moment. And maybe you're going to go back to the graduates, you're going to look back at the, the time, the, the examples, and say, I, I, I appreciate that, there's something to it, but it only gets bigger. It only gets greater. The dividends only get better. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Every moment I'm awake